Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, my incredibly talented friend, who is definitely has game, the mixtress DC Gina. What's up, Louise? I got game. What's up? What's up? You got game. <laughs> you got game. <laughs> I got something. I don't know if it's game or crazy. It's one, something or the other. Maybe you got crazy game. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take you on a little field trip. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so here we go. It's Tuesday, October 31st, 1950. For many, it may seem like any ordinary Halloween night, but this Halloween will prove to be far from it. For on this night, a single event would not only change an entire sports league, but I'd like to believe it pushed positive change for society as a whole. And for one young man from Alexandria, Virginia, it would change his life and make him a legend. For on that fateful night, Earl Lloyd made his NBA debut as the league's first African-American player. Pretty amazing, huh? That is amazing, actually. Yeah. I got a little choked up. Now, if we jump ahead 70, 70 years or so to October 2020, the city of Alexandria voted to rename a street to Earl F. Lloyd Way. And just recently, his statue was unveiled at the site that was once his high school, where his basketball talents were discovered. Now, we all have to admit, it's been a long time coming, but it is so well-deserved. That's amazing. I know, isn't it? It's, uh, It's just crazy to think on a Halloween night, too. Like, I mean, who plays ball? Do they, does NBA play ball on most Halloween nights? Uh, they play, <laughs> they play on any holiday. They make millions of dollars a year. Back then they didn't know, but yeah. They did very not true. then. Yeah. Very true. So speaking of those who hail from Alexandria, Virginia, and are destined to make their mark on the world and change it for the better, brings me to today's designated drinker. He is none other than the councilman of the city of Alexandria, the owner and founder of the Manumission Tour Company. He is John T. Chapman, a.k.a. The nightmare. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. And you, it, I always tell folks to make sure you pronounce that right. The nightmare. Um, that way, people don't think I'm a nightmare, right? Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on today. Oh, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you. Um, so, tell us, how did you earn that title then of the nightmare of Alexandria? <laughs> So um, I actually kind of just took it and ran with it. Um, the um, At the time that we were looking at it, a, a couple of, actually over a year ago now, um, I think the District of Columbia was getting their own uh, night mayor. And this person's job is not, they're not called a nightmare, but they've got a, a, a fancy a bu- uh, bureaucratic title, um, but they're basically uh, focus is on nightlife in D.C. Uh, D.C. has, you know, a tremendous n- nightlife, not just music, the arts, um, food, fashion, all of that. Um, and their job is to kind of help maintain order, help businesses get started, um, kind of provide customer service to those organizations and businesses that really make up D.C.'s nightlife. Um, and Alexandria itself does not have uh, the the breadth of nighttime options, shall we say, for for folks in the city. Um, But uh, we have still that desire to be a city that does 
run late does have opportunities for action um, and um, eateries uh, at night um, in the evenings. Uh, and so, you know, we on city council, I thought, frankly, needed a champion uh, to champion things like restaurants having later hours, um, things like um, safety in the evenings um, for residents, tourists, business owners, and the like. Um, being able to speak up about the need for um, something, finding a place that's open and, and available at two in the morning. Um, because we do have those residents whose schedules are totally different from a nine to five. Uh, and they um, are either sometimes coming off of work or about to go to work and uh, need opportunities to find something to do. And so uh, being able to kind of speak to that uh, is kind of, kind of allowed me to start calling myself the nightmare. Um, it didn't also hurt that uh, we have a lot of different evening meetings at, for city council. Uh, and usually I, instead of just going straight home right after those meetings end at 10 or 11, I would go to some random bar uh, and get something to eat and talk to some people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's how the uh, that nickname was was, I think, earned. Not just taken. Yes, yes. I think it's a. I think it's a pretty damn cool title myself. So, Thank you. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, so, how did you start in politics? How yeah. did you find yourself on as a councilman? Where did that all begin? So, uh, I would say honestly, if if I have to really think about it, it, it began when I was really little. My mother was very involved. Uh, she was a single mother, worked several jobs, but she still found the time to get involved. And she was a commissioner on the Alexandria Redevelopment and Housing Authority um, that uh, runs much of the public housing here in the city. Uh, and she would drag me and my sister to the monthly meetings and we'd sit in the back and do homework. Um, and I didn't really pay attention to that, but I did see <laughs> in her kind of the need um, to uh, get involved uh, and be involved and be an involved resident. And so um, when I came back from college, um, uh, as luck would have it, I took a job that allowed me to um, get involved in things in the evening. And so I started getting involved in some nonprofits uh, and a number of community organizations, particularly around uh, issues of youth and education, uh, which is what my background is. Um, and that kind of continued to grow and grow. Uh, and then I started to look for advocacy opportunities um, and that you know, some of those opportunities coming in the form of uh, the Northern Virginia Urban League, uh, as well as uh, the local NAACP, um, and um, really took my advocacy to a new level, uh, working to lead uh, those organizations here in the city. Um, and then in 2012, uh, decided to throw my name in there, the ring and run for city council, um, and where I was lucky enough to, to make it and have been here so far. Um, and um, working on issues of housing, economic development, um, and uh, education. That's awesome. It's, um, I think it's a cool, it's, it's such a cool space that your mom put you in to, ex <clears throat> to expose you at that level at, in, in, at such a young age, you and your sister, um, and how it, yeah. how it really, I'm sure, influenced the way you have carved out your, your life now to, 
to continuously give back and yeah, to um, and to engage and uh, be a part of the solve as opposed to you know I'm I'm good at bitching about it but I can I I have to wear I have to say I've never run for office and so I don't really if you're not part of the solve then are you part of the problem you know or you know maybe not but it, just the fact that you find that space um, in your life to make that a, a priority yeah I mean I, I think you're absolutely right I mean. Uh, it, because I, I would say, you know, not everybody needs to be um, kind of uh, the advocate. I think, you know, folks being advocates for themselves, um, not necessarily a group of people, um, and being able to bring their perspective um, to any issue or argument is really key. Um, because uh, elected officials and other policymakers should be listening to the various stories and perspectives of, of those folks around them that give them hopefully um, an idea of which which way or how to create policy that's going to best affect uh, a broad stroke of residents. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, your voice, I mean, to speak up in, in any way um, is, is, is a good thing. It's in, in to your point, um, by sharing your insight, you could be opening up somebody else's eyes to something that they just didn't even realize. I think that's part of the problem right. too, is because we don't walk in each other's shoes. Um, so how can we know other unless we share our, st- our our strength and our stories? Indeed, it's such a it's such a hard, for me. I think about it like you're giving so much of your time, mm-hmm. right? And you're doing this job, and like everybody, all they nobody ever calls a thank you, right? They call a complaint. And I feel like you're just constantly, it's, you say you're the night mayor, but I feel like you're a manager. You're like, okay, you hear all the problems and you're like, and you hear enough of it. And you're like, how do I put all these problems into a solution? Cause it's the same thing over and over again. And like, that is, I I mean, insanity. It's a little, it's insanity. It's, it's a calling. I, I I mean, yeah, you can call it that. It's okay. No, but I mean like, (laughs) so public service, you know, clerk, I don't, and Mm -hmm. I'm not, lopping religion and um, politics together, okay? There is a certain calling of public service and the fact that your mother had it and wanted to do it mm-hmm. is something that is, you're not in there for the thank yous, you're in there for the change. And it's the same right. thing when it comes to That's religion. Right. Right. You're not in it because you're like, mm-hmm. you want everybody to think that you're wonderful. You want everybody to find their their spirit, right? So I feel like- Yeah, yeah, that's- It is a hard job and like I- I don't even know how you do it. I don't even know how you have that and do another job. That's right. No, that's a great. Uh, it's 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 interesting, right? Um, you know, I grew up here in the city, um, and being able to see the city change um, has been, you know, fascinating. Um, but even more so to be able to kind of peek behind the curtain and understand how that change has taken place, um, and what decision points came. Uh, and decisions were made or not made, which lead us to where we are. And, you know, the hope I think of every elected official is to be able to make certain decisions that will, you know, make change for the good, right? Um, And so being able to do that in your hometown that you've seen kind of grow and evolve uh, throughout my life, uh, I think is is kind of why I, I continue to want this insanity in my life. (laughs) <laughs> glutton for punishment what? you are <laughs> indeed indeed so tell me councilman what's the next so what what happens after you're a councilman what yeah. can you be next like what's the next thing 
you know, you can be anything. I think, you know, I always obviously would love to kind of be the mayor at one at some point in my life. I'm I'm young, so I'm not itching to do that, uh, you know, tomorrow. Um, and then honestly, it's after that for me. I've known and and loved Alexandria. I'm not very interested in um, getting to much higher office. Um, I I from time to time will have. Uh, a supporter that's very disappointed. I'm not saying I want to be a congressman or a senator or something like that, but no, I'm I'm still a local boy and um, love Alexandria. I think if I had to do something in Arlington, I'd get lost. If I had to do something in Fairfax, I'd probably get lost too. But um, but who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, if I run for higher office, they don't use this video against me because I just dogged uh, Arlington and Fairfax. But we'll see. No, they won't. <laughs> I just find it, I always find the stepping stones of um, politics so interesting where people would be like on an edu- board of education yeah. and then they will go and run for, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, congresswoman, congressman, doesn't, doesn't matter, right? I right. always find like the way that you, that you, you get right. there is how you do it, you know, like how you do, how you do that. But like mm-hmm. also, John, like. You know, command, like, there's a certain amount of respect for yourself, right? And selflessness, but, like, respect that you mm-hmm. hold yourself in order to to do that job. And I feel like, can you share a little bit of that, like, you know, with, with our listeners, like, when you are in a position like that, like, what you, how you have to have that same respect for yourself that you give to others or or something, like, to that effect. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but I think you understand what I mean. I think so. Um you know, I think one of the, the biggest hurdles for anybody that's coming into elected office is to know what you know um, and be, you know, as you were saying, kind of sure of the things that you know and sure of the things that you don't know and be willing to improve on the things that you don't know. Um, but you will have uh, thousands of people challenge you about what you you think you know uh, and what they think they know. Um, and how do you um how do you kind of square that for yourself is usually the biggest hurdle for all elected officials when they first come into office. I think it it really took me probably about two years to be in a place mentally where I said, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, Whether it's a local issue or something bigger, um, I can bring my perspective um, and it should be one that's valid because not only is it data-driven or, or even if it's not super data driven, but it's more anecdotal, you know, people uh, respond to it. Um, people, it resonates. The stories, the anecdotes re- resonate with people. Um, the data uh, matches the concerns of, of local residents. Um, and so being able to to say that you are, quote unquote, an expert in an area, in a policy area, I think is, is key for any uh, local official. Um, you know, you also have to figure out um, how do you how do you continue to show that you're a real person as well? You're not just some kind of policy junkie that doesn't care about themselves, doesn't care about the people around them, doesn't care about their family, um, and, and can be vulnerable, right? Um, I think that's that's also part of being a an elected official. Now, um, people have uh, so many ways to kind of touch you. You know, they can call you, they can, um, you know, come up to you, they can see you on Facebook or any social media. I think it's really key in knowing how you want to interact with um, people and and how you're comfortable in in doing so. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just being human too, right? Like to your point, you have an agenda that your hope speaks to the agenda of of many um, and staying mm-hmm. true to your convictions, but staying open to change. Um, I it would, right. and, and you right. have to be a really good diplomat, I think. You need to be... <laughs> You do. You definitely do. Absolutely. Maybe not always say exactly what you think, but, you know, hold your own. (laughs) Right. That's right. I mean, especially when, you know, when you meet somebody new, whether they are cheering for you or complaining to you, you have to, you know, for me, I I have to believe that this might be a first, uh, somebody's first entree into connecting with a local politician. And so how do I uh, shape their future interactions with local politics and local government by the way I the way I respond to whatever they're saying. Um, and so I try to keep that top of mind in interactions with people as well. That's I think that's just solid good advice all the way around, I think. Yeah, yeah indeed. So tell us indeed. about your other passion. Tell us about your tour group. Yeah, so um, back actually five years ago now, um, I started Manumission Tour Company focusing on African-American heritage uh, through curated uh, walking tours um, and presentations. Um, growing up here in the city of Alexandria, I really didn't hear a whole lot about African-American history um, and some of the sites that we have uh, here in the city. Uh, wasn't a big talking point, wasn't really known, um, whether it was in the um, tourism space or the academic space. Um, and so when I actually came back from college, I started to hear different stories Um, see different sites on maps that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. Um, And then um, a number of years ago, um, our tourism director at the time, um, Patricia Washington, uh, sat down with uh, me as a council member and we talked about uh, local tourism uh, and what it meant, frankly, to be an African-American visiting Alexandria and, you know, what specific tourism or sites um, that would be of interest to African-American tourists. Um, and the question kind of caught me because I really didn't have a good answer. Um, and uh, over the next uh, year, um, year and a half, I, that, that kind of question just sat in my mind. You know, if I'm African-American tourist, what do I come to Alexandria to see? Um, and so I started to look a little bit more into the sites that we have, the history we have here um, and in Uh, the summer of 2016 really sat down in the library and just went through hundreds and hundreds of articles and books around some of the sites we have here in Alexandria uh, and started to put together uh, my, what would be my first tour um, and um, end up giving that tour in September of of 2016. um, And um, the folks that I gave it to, they loved it. Uh, loved hearing the history and continued to do that, um, attracted uh, the attention of some of the local historians uh, that frankly had not heard some of the stories that we talk about. Um, You know, of course, people looked up the history and said, okay, this is legit history. He's not making something up. Um, And then, um, you know, it just really grew and grew. Uh, And so now we have three uh, walking tours uh, that talk about different points and parts of the city uh, as well. Uh, we do from time to time, we'll do virtual presentations, virtual tours. Now uh, through COVID, we did that. Um, and um, it's really caught on. We've we've gotten a, a number of um, church groups and, and youth groups that come and, and take our tours. We've gotten a number of students and schools uh, from not only in this area, but uh, across the country. Uh, we have regular tours prior to COVID. 
uh, with um, some schools out in Wisconsin that come to the oh, area for uh, a visit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, 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 tour groups, I never thought about having schools do them. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, that's, I, I can't imagine yeah. a better way to teach children that, about history. That's no the most important. That's right. Cause like, that's right. we have an opportunity now, our generation at least to really kind of, you know, change, change the way that maybe our parents' generation and before that, you know, and I'm trying to not say, I, I think that they should view the world as people and not as, you know, everyone is, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. I want my children to value people on their values and who they are and what they do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And not ever see that, of course, they see that everyone's a different color or a different, you know, whatever. But like, understand that that means, doesn't mean that anyone's different. You're all humans. And I want that for them. I want it so bad. And maybe that generation and the next generation, and it erases all, not erases what happened, but it makes it so it doesn't happen again. Because I I think that like, there's not enough. There's Mm -hmm. not enough of, you know, the history of this country and and how this country was actually built. And like, and I think about just my education, you know, as a child, you know, and I look at the history books that I read. Are you kidding? That's not even half the real history. It's some sort of whitewashed version of what history was. And I came from New York. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood that we, you know, at my neighborhood, it was as mixed as it comes. There wasn't like, I didn't grow up in any lily white world. You know what I mean? I didn't, never saw that. But moving down here, mm-hmm. oh my God, mind blown, mind blown. I went to yeah. college with people that are from the South and I was like, holy crap like you don't whoa what has happened so like i think that what you're doing more school should do that more it has to be more it has to be more history books need to change what they read in school has to be updated how how it's presented all of it so i yes you you need to do more tours you need to go to more cities (laughs) you need to do more history you have to like you have to say you know, Leesburg, yeah. you're going to Leesburg. Oh, well, guess what? All this happened in Leesburg. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just can't stop there. It's got to be more. No, that's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think we we definitely have some um, future plans to, to grow. Um, and, and like you said, you know, I mean, there is history everywhere. And so some of these places, whether it's Lee, Leesburg, whether it's other parts of D.C. or Maryland, uh, or, or even further out, um, you know, definitely have an opportunity for us to um, yeah. be a part of that. I mean, I think Gina just like gave you more yeah. work, John. <laughs> she she definitely did. She definitely did. No question about it. And so now, so now when I see this, every time I watch this, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, Gina said to do this. Okay, Usually let me people get are putting it oh, on me. Um, John, that is yeah. my life. That is my life, John. <laughs> Oh no! I, All right, let's let's put Gina to work now. Let's okay. make a cocktail. So, Gina. um, yeah, let's do that. That's All gonna right. be fun, right? So I'm just gonna move my my camera down, and I want to like so, you know, one I love bourbon, which is uh, you know one of my favorite things to drink, and then I and I also love whiskey sours, but I wanted to do something that's a little bit different. Instead of using like egg whites in this drink. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a vegan version of this cocktail. So it's more friendly for people that might be like, 
you know, kind of weirded out by putting an egg in your drink or in general, you know, just don't eat proteins like the animal proteins. So it's a, it's a silly drink, but here's the thing, uh, aquafaba, which is uh, bean water. So it's water after you've cooked the beans um, is like super healthy for you. And a really great, um, a really great like elixir to kind of incorporate in your diet. Um, and I'm not pushing healthy cocktails. I just love the way this drink tastes and I want to share this with the world, right? So, all right, so we're gonna do two ounces and I lost my jigger because uh, I I, might have imbibed while we were, I was waiting, I don't know. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, what? No. So we are gonna take, so first of all, this drink is gonna go on fresh ice. We're gonna put some ice in a glass here. And then we're going to fill this part up with three quarters of full. Okay, so we're gonna put two ounces of Maker's Mark. Um, you can put your favorite whiskey in here. You wanna just use something that's a little bit over 80 proof. Um, somewhere in the 90s would be best just to kind of like um, use the sweetness from the drink. Uh, and then we're gonna use one ounce of the chickpea water. And then we're gonna use one ounce of fresh lemon juice. And you want to squeeze that. I always, and, and if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that what I fresh is best. So you're going to use one ounce and you're going to take your juicer and do it. And if you don't have a juicer, a fork works great as well. And we're just going to give it a little squeeze. And um, councilman, you know, if you cross the river, I'll make you one of these in for right away. You know, I can do that stat. <laughs> All right. The next, the next. Ooh, I know. Don't well, you guys like lost uh, PX, so I know that you're in need for a cocktail. So Ugh. we're going to put uh, one yes. ounce of simple syrup, and I'm going to use um, a hibiscus simple syrup that I actually had in the refrigerator. Uh, and really, as long as you follow these measurements, um, you know, you're good to go. All right. So we're going to take the ice, we're going to pour it in, and we are going to shake. And the hard, the shake is really important here. You need to get a foam, so really hard. I'm just going long, just, just for you. All right. Does it so, have to be this long? Well, so what I'm gonna show you is, if you can write your name on the 10, and the frost comes off, your drink is done. If you can't do that, mm -hmm. that means you need to shake longer. So it kind of depends on your environment. So if you're an outdoor mm -hmm. bar in the summer, especially in mm -hmm. Alexandria or DC, you need to shake a little bit longer because it is hot as AF here. And anybody that right. thinks that we don't live in a tropical climate, I dare you to come here in the summer and tell me that. All right, <laughs> so we're gonna pour this drink and I wanted to show it to you because you should have gotten this really nice froth from the aquafaba and mm. smells really, really good because you put the lemon in there. And then we're just gonna garnish it with um, just a little orange. And it's so simple. So simple and so good. And this is why I hate um, ice at home. Hold please. I got some weirdo ice thing happening. There we go. I'm so, I'm so spoiled. I'm like, oh, well, I, I need my work ice. Um, <laughs> ice is ice. You know what? <laughs> I said it. I said it. It's 2021 and I just said it. Ice is ice. Is it cold? It works. We're good. All right. That, if COVID taught me nothing, it's cold. You have a vessel to drink it out of. Good to go. That's good. All right. Here we go. 
to a vegan whiskey mm. sour. Cheers. 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 Have him. You oh, don't Gina. miss the egg. That's so good. It's delish. You don't miss the egg Ow. at all. Easy. Don't miss the egg it's at all. Easy peasy chickpea squeezy. There you go. We'll do a chickpea squeezy. <laughs> all right. So I have a question for you, John. Here's my question. Are you ready? Why? Yeah. Wh- how did you or did you help facilitate that barge coming to Virgin to Alexandria? The new barge bar. Where Barca is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barca. So cool. So yeah. So. You know, I, I wish I could take credit for that. Um, if Scott, <laughs> if Scott and the folks from ARP allow me to take credit for that, I might. Um, I, when I saw the idea of what they were going to do, I was just like, "Yes, this is phenomenal. Uh, this is something we have to have." Um, I, I will say, I have been advocating for us, um, and whether it's the city or restaurants and, and businesses, to use the waterfront more, not just to kind of be on the waterfront, but push out into the water. Uh, and yeah. so this is a perfect opportunity for that. And so I, um, I had a chance to go there, I guess it was soft opening and I loved it. The food is amazing. The drinks are phenomenal. Good. Um, and so I try to, I'm trying to go back, but it's already booked every time I want to go. So there's so a limit. Hold on. I'm going to try to sneak my way in there one weekend. Is there a limit? Mm-hmm. There's a limit on the amount of people on that thing. They're seating. It's yeah. all seating. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, yeah. So, hold hold right. on. So you, can yep. you So I guess I don't know this. You can't. I thought you could sit at the bar in Alexandria now. No. Yeah, you can. You can, but the bar only fits so many people. Oh. Um, so it's something where once they fill up, they fill up. So in my mind, in my mind, I feel like this bar is four thousand square feet. Is it not? I haven't been there yet. <laughs> no. That's- it's about half of that, let's right. say. I, like, in my mind, I have envisioned a cargo ship. And, like, you get to go on it and just oh. party in Alexandria. <laughs> but it, I, it's, it's more like uh, the size of uh, of the cargo ship dropping a, a couple of bins overboard, right? It, okay. It's not the full ship. It's uh, a couple of those cargo boxes. Got it. Got it. Um, I'm really excited about it. I have to say I was part of the problem in Alexandria. I used to sh- go there and go to PX to visit my friend Todd Thrasher. And I would oh, yeah. definitely be one of the reasons why the sign is outside of PX. It says, Shh, we have neighbors. Because I would get out and be like, Todd, <laughs> let me in. He'll be like, Gina, use the phone. I'll be like, no way, let me in. And then the people who cross the street be like, we live here. We live here. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, you're so lucky. Come across the street. And they're like, I have to go to work in the morning. I'm like, so what? You know, I'm definitely part of the problem in Alexandria. And, I, and if you lived across. Sorry, right. we, we would welcome you. We would welcome that problem any day. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I did. You know, it's funny. We did buy those people a drink one night. They finally came out and they're like, fine, I'll buy I, a drink. Buy me a drink. I was like, great. That's how you. That's how you convert them. That's that's it, right? Once they see what they're missing, they're they're all in. That's how I met Victoria from the hour in that bar. Ah, yeah. Oh, I can is believe it? it. Yeah, I can oh, believe it. Cool. Yeah. So, Gina, let's do our bar t- oh, our yes, bar keeping yes, yes. before we forget. Um, where are our listeners going to go get this cocktail? Gonna, uh, get recipe. your recipes, tip tricks, and how to at designateddrinker.show, and you'll learn uh, where to find John, send all of your complaints, uh, especially for noise, <laughs> and if you didn't like the food at your last restaurant experience, 
Uh, we'll have that link to John's email as well. I'm just kidding. Uh, at designateddrinker.show. Oh, here we, we will go. Have, but what we will have is links to uh, John's tour group. So when you come to Alexandria, you can get a little history, get a little education, get some insight, and then go get that cocktail. And five stars only. Thank you. That's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, I'm ready. Gina. Here we go. It's you, Mama. So, in this day and age, everybody identifies themselves with some sort of spirit animal, and you might be like, "My spirit animal is the American finch because of its beautiful speed and yellow uh, coat with the black jet black, and it looks like the fastest bird in the world. Yet, it's so regal, right? If you can identify yourself as a spirit ingredient, and it could be spirited as in a (laughs) cocktail or something you use in food. What ingredient would that be, and how would you define yourself? Ooh, um, so I think my ingredient would be cheese. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to how how you can do that in a well. Gino can probably tell me how I do that in a uh, cocktail, but you know I think <laughs> does that be um, a cocktail? Like just why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say cheese is a like a perfect utility food, right? Um, you can add it to so many things and it, it livens it up. Um, and, and that's kind of how I see myself sometimes with, uh, you know, our friend, my friend's group. Um, if I come to the party, it's party time. Um, everybody's going to have a little bit more fun. Uh, things are going to be a little bit better. Um, I like to think, of, you know, as a politician, my ego is is that high. I like to think that I add uh, something positive to everything that I do. So, um, I would say cheese is my spirit ingredient. Mm, I like that. It's so funny. I was thinking, so is he a little nutty, a little funky? <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking. Cheese, cheese can be all of that, see? Wait, I, I was thinking so easy to be blended with, some, with other things. So, like, you know, you could take all, all the information mm. people are giving you, stir the pot, nice oh, fondue yeah. of politics. <laughs> Politi- <laughs> see, there you go. Political soup. Wait. I love it. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I love that. All right. Well, thank you, John, for carving out a little bit of time for us. Um, I know you've got a crazy, busy running. I see your your, uh, signs all over the place. So I hope everything goes well. And uh, cheers. And thanks for hanging out. Cheers. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.